0: There it is. Crack the bottle top. No cans. Mike and I finally made it up north to the wintry wonderland that is Ohio right now, (laughs) just south of Dayton.
1: Why do people live in places like this? I don't know. Single digits when we we got out of the car last night.
0: But we're meeting up with our friend the boss, A.K.A. (laughs) Adam Norris. Finally got to come up here and be fun. Like Mike was saying earlier, Uh, sit down with somebody who's been on both sides of the activity.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to give a good perspective. Like Adam is someone that marched for a long time how many years was it you uh, i did
2: i did three years of outdoor and then i guess technically four years of indoor but i really only count two of
1: them <laughs> okay we'll get into that later yeah, but, yeah yeah but so he's marched a ton and then he made the transition almost immediately was there any break between no, marching and yeah teaching? i aged
2: out in 2010 and then i started teaching in
1: 2011 so he he probably has a perspective that only someone like that that has done that that has marched a ton and then went straight into teaching. I'm sure there were a lot of eye-opening things you didn't get or didn't know <laughs> were the way they were as a member.
2: Um yeah that's one way to put it. All right I well <laughs> before,
1: before we get into that and let you introduce yourself uh welcome everyone to the Aged Out podcast. I'm one of your hosts Mike Fantini and with me as always is
0: Evan Worrell and like we said our our good friend Adam but uh you you came from Louisville, right? was just Shepherdsville? Yeah, nobody.
2: Know. I always say Louisville because nobody knows where Shepherdsville is.
0: That's fair. When, so. when you're in Kentucky and you're not living in like Lexington or Louisville, everybody refers to it as like counties. Oh it's yeah, like, oh, I'm That's I'm from a so, very and so county thing. So when you go out of state and you're like, oh I'm from so and so county, they're like, well, what city is where, that? Yeah, where is that? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know where Bullock County is. Yeah. Oh, so I forgot.
1: We'll start as we always do. We'll let uh, Adam Norris here. Introduce himself a little bit, and we'll start with a rundown of his background and the activity, uh, a little bit of how he got into into it, um, and then we'll just see where that takes us. Well,
2: so. I uh, I started drumming when I was in fifth grade, and I started drumming um, because when I tried to play the saxophone, I couldn't make any
0: sound. That's a good reason to stop.
2: Yeah, well, I there mean, I, I saw right through it immediately, and so I just said, you know what, give me the drumsticks, I think I'll try that. <laughs> and it worked out. Um that's one of those, you know, you look back and you realize like such a small decision when you're like 11 years old
1: has like completely
2: time. changed the course of my entire life. And 11 year old me was like at the helm <laughs> trying to like navigate. Um, but uh, it, it yeah, that was why I started playing drums. So I did band in middle school and I liked it. And I, and I, I started, it, my high school band was very small. I went to Bullet East High School. Um, which actually now is doing really well. It's actually a Blue Stars alumni, Trevor, Trevor or Irvin. Or band Irvin, 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 is yeah, the band right. director. And right. he is like, he has done Irwin, some Irwin. crazy good work. Um, they like were winning grand champions. They like almost went to state this year, I think. Like mm-hmm. it, it's been really impressive what he's been able to do. So um, Trevor, if you're listening, man, it's like, I'm very proud to be an alumni of that program. Um, so uh, it's pretty cool. But uh, so I went there. And for high school, the band was really small, so we had to march. You know, a lot of schools will do like they'll march their eighth graders. We had to march our seventh graders to like get the numbers up. And I think yeah, that get the bodies. The, the, yeah, the biggest band when I was there was like forty five people, like on the field, including wow. the drum majors and the guard and everything.
1: I'm gonna pause you for a second and point something out. I wanna use this as an example of you don't have to come from an all star program to achieve at a high level. Oh if yeah, you have the drive and desire and the oh, ability yeah. to do it, your band prog- program in high school can be 20 people. And if you want it bad enough, you can still get there. All right, that's my public service announcement. <laughs> Continue. Well,
2: so we, we had a really small band. I started high school marching band when I was in seventh grade. So I did six years of high school marching band with the Bullet East Marching Chargers. <laughs> and... Uh, this was back before you had to have like a show design. Like we didn't have a
0: show we did our shows didn't
2: have titles, it was just the show.
0: Yeah, I just picked out charts and you played. So them. we
2: yeah, like our first like the opener was Pero Caliente and the second movement was uh you know, the rousing rendition of Secret Agent Man and things like that. Like yeah, that it was like was almost like a college just, show. Just yeah, type. just like random stuff and then you know, eventually it got a little better. Um But I I got into drum corps in the music downloading days of like Napster and Kazaa, where you basically download a computer virus that like allowed you to listen to music for free. (laughs) LimeWire. And we had, yeah, we had this program called, I hope the the RIAA isn't listening, um, but I had this program called (laughs) Kazaa and we, my brother showed it to me, you know, he's a little older and he was like, oh, you can download all this stuff. So we're, you know, we're downloading Creed and all this crappy music because we were kids, you know, we didn't know any better. Oh man. And I remember when I was in high school, I saw big high school drum lines and big high school programs like Lafayette in Kentucky or Henry Clay or Dunbar, like all the big Kentucky bands. And I remember seeing them and thinking like, I was in this tiny band. We weren't really that good. There was a lot of like passion, but we didn't have the money. We didn't have the instruction. We didn't have the resources. So it was just, we were kind of stuck. Yeah. And I I remember seeing these other bands and thinking, is this it? Like, am I just resigned to this because of where I was born and that's it you know and I remember thinking like I saw a band it was I think it was like uh Seneca or something back in the day and they had like five snares and I was like whoa you know what I mean like that like blew me away and so I went to a music store to buy something to buy some sticks or something like that and I asked the guy about drumming like what there was further and he was like well have you ever heard of Drum corps, and I was like, no, no, nope. I didn't know what it was. And he was like, yeah, you should check it out. He talked about Southwind, and I like pretended to know what he was talking about. I was like, oh yeah, totally Southwind. It but used I, to
0: be a corps out of Lexington, yeah. yeah.
2: And so, but I, I didn't know anything about him, and I didn't know what it was. So I went home and I got on Kazaa and I typed in drumline to like the search engine to see what would show up. Cause this was before YouTube. This is pre-YouTube. This is pre-internet. I was I used it's my. Now don't even know. Yeah, I was like chiseling Drumline into a stone and holding it up in the air and hoping I got a response. Um, <laughs> and so I was. I, I looked it up and I got all these results and it kept saying D.C.I. Blue Devils and then whatever Diddy Flam Sandwich. Some you know Flam Sandwich Thirteenth Hour. Like all this old Blue Devil stuff, but. I saw DCI and I didn't know what it stood for, but I saw Blue Devils and I saw the, the D of DCI. So I'm like, oh, Duke college, something, Blue Devils, like the Duke Blue Devils, of course. And I was like, <laughs> I need to go to, I need to go to college at Duke, man. Their drumline is awesome. And <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't know anything about it. And then, so we got, I remember I was like a sophomore and we, uh, maybe I was a freshman. I don't remember. It was way back in the day. This is right when like, Cable internet and DSL and everything like became a thing. Mm -hmm. And so we got like a broadband connection and you could search for videos on Kazaa. And so I searched for drumline videos and it came up with um, the DVD rip of Cavaliers from 2000 and 2001. And this is like, this is in, I think this was in 2003 when this is happening. Yeah, probably. So this is like, it seems old now, but at the time those were like the shows that had just. Yeah. been like the championship shows Niagara, and, Niagara you know, Falls and Four Corners yeah. were the ones that I saw and I was like oh my god this is the most insane thing I've ever seen <laughs> and I would just watch them on a loop I was so, you know I was so pulled into it and so through that I just started to search a little bit more and I kind of figured out you know what DCI was through that and then we had a color guard instructor who was um, I don't know if, I don't think she'd ever marched but she was she knew all about drum corps and everything and so she um, invited like myself and some other people in our band that were like sort of the more leadership members of the band to go to what was the Indianapolis regional that they used to have, and it was it was at the end of July. It was like what Atlanta is now. Yeah, it the was whole like RCA, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was at the RCA Dome. And so we went up there and I got to watch Drum Corps 2003 late season lives. Like Cavs were there. It was a regional. Yeah. So like I saw Spin Cycle live. The, the Phenomenon of, the of Cool. Blew phenomenon those. of Cool. Um, Vanguard Pathways. Knetz
0: like, did the, uh, I don't know the show. It was like our, favorite Wanyan, our favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. And
2: it was just, it blew me away to like see that. Imp- I was like, I had never seen anything like that in my life. It was like, it, I was totally hooked at that point. And so I, I I just stuck with it through high school. And so the next year I said, I want to march Cavalier. So the next year um, was when they did the 007. What year was that? Oh, 04. 04? Oh, four. Um, oh, 04 was the 007. So they Your had done... Your
1: first year auditioning for Drone oh, 4 was 04? I
2: auditioned in 2004 for 2005. You old man. I know, right? Um,
0: 2004, that would have been uh, Markworth, right?
1: Yeah. He, was he, he had,
2: Yeah. He had aged out. Um, and so... I'll get to that in a second, but uh, so we, uh, I went to the show the next year, and I went with, like, my parents and my, my buddy from high school, and, you know, we were, you know, just, like, mouth open, like, oh, my God, this is amazing, and so my dad was a big fan, and my mom really enjoyed it as well, so it was cool, like, they were kind of into it, and they saw yeah. how into it I was, so they were kind of pulled supportive. in. Supportive. Yeah, and it was awesome. They were really, really supportive of it, so I told my dad that I wanted to march Cavaliers. I was pretty convinced um, like I said, I went to a small high school and I was definitely the best in my high school. That's not saying much though, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like a two-legged guy at a one-legged race, you know what I mean Big like fish in a small pond. Exactly. and so it wasn't it wasn't like I had a ton like I wasn't that great, but I was definitely the best. so I, I had nothing to compare it to because I'd never done anything extra. And so I'm like pretty convinced. I'm like 16, 15, 16. I'm like, yeah, I think I can make it. Like, I think this is going to happen. And that's not to say that, you know, you can't make it when you're that young. But I didn't have any of that experience whatsoever. So this was back before they did all the satellite camps and everything. And so we did. Uh, my dad, it was the it was the morning after Thanksgiving and like five in the morning, me and my dad got in the car and he drove me to Chicago <laughs> and we went to the Cavaliers camp. There wasn't. You know, they didn't have videos and yeah, if you wanted to do a video audition, you had to like get permission from the core director, film it on your VHS thing and like mail it in and hopefully they got it. (laughs) Um, so this was, like, everybody was there. So there's, like, I don't know, I think there was, like, 20,000 snare drummers there or something ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's usually um, yeah. It's,
1: like, six quad players, three bass drummers, and 100,000 snare yeah, drummers. Yeah, like, the
2: rest of the camp was exclusively snare drummers. And I remember walking in, like, feeling really confident. And then the first dude I saw was, like, twice my size with, like, a beard. And I was, like, 15, you know? So I was just, like, uh, okay. And so we we were sitting in this hallway and everybody has their pads out and they're playing. And I was like, oh, my God, literally everyone I can see is like playing stuff I've never heard of or seen in my life. Like, What have I got myself into? And so that was the first camp I went to. You mentioned Andrew Markworth. He actually, he probably doesn't remember this. I think I mentioned it to him once. Um, But he was the first person to ever give me an individual audition.
1: Oh my God. Because he had
2: just staged out and he held for like that one camp. I didn't, I w- didn't had any idea at the time that we would like work together later or that we would interact more. Like in come future. full circle. Yeah, it <laughs> That's was pretty crazy. wild. It um, crazy. But that was how I got into it. And I, I.
1: And despite getting your, your, your eyes opened at That first experience, you were hooked. Right? I, I bet. Well, it
2: was like it made me mad that I wasn't better. You know what I mean? Like it, like m- sometimes people get really discouraged, and I was discouraged. But I was like, well, I mean,
1: you were hungry, at the same yeah. Time. Like
2: these other guys, like they had to be bad at some point, right? Yeah. Like, they weren't born with golden sticks in their That's hands. That's what or my something.
1: first audition experience was like with the blue coats in '09. I was that big fish in a small pond at my high school yeah. in Louisville, and I got to that camp, and you know, like that, that was Drew guys, like Drew guys' first year as center and stuff, I think, and and then. Um, I had no place being there. Was, <laughs> you would have been there.
2: Well, it depends. I wasn't at the, it November, was camp. the November camp. was just Yeah, right? I, wasn't, I wasn't at that I did one. did not I make
1: it past uh, past that that uh, experience, but very similar. It, yeah. it just, it, sometimes people can take an experience like that as like, well, I just suck. I just need to quit. But like you said, I took it the same way you took your first experience. Yeah, I was humbling. Like, I was like, It was humbling very humbling, it. dude. I was very I, humbled I, by it. I
2: remember seeing my dad and he was like, you know, what, how'd it go? And I was That's like, so. really bad. I'm so. like, like, I terrible I at some... And it was, I, I remember, um, the, the funniest story I remember from that is I was sitting, um, we were we were in this classroom, and they had divided the snare drums up into like three rooms, and I somehow made it into like the middle room. Wait, so you were I, listening for snare drums? Yeah, this. Is, yeah, I was also a snare drummer back then. I hadn't seen the light yet. My left hand didn't know what it was doing. <laughs> um, and I'm a quad player for anybody that... Yeah, so I was auditioning for snare drums. So I'm in this room. There's like 60 of us in this tiny little classroom, like packed into this thing. <laughs> and there was, they had eight snare drums up at the front. They were like the old I2 drums with like the white Max Evans heads. Yeah. And, oh yeah, way back with like the XL carriers and all that. <laughs> and so we had those drums set up. I was sitting at a desk like with my practice pad. And I, I think it was, it was like Ellis Hampton and Nick Thomas were like running the room. And it's funny again because fast forward and we'll get to that in a minute. I ended up working with Nick Thomas like a couple years ago at Phantom Regiment. Um, totally weird that like we, you know, cross paths again. But so we're in this room and Ellis is working and he's like, "All right, we're going to we're going to work on the triplet grids." Everybody know the triplet grid like we're cool. I had never heard those two words next to each other <laughs> in my entire life. So I was like, and everybody in the room was like, "Not nah. like, "Yeah, totally." And I was like, "Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a triplet grid." Of course, like, "Yeah, whatever." And so, I had no idea. So, they started doing, um, he was like, all right, we're going to start with just the fours. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Luckily, I wasn't on a drum. I was, like, sitting at a a desk so I could, like, kind of fake it, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, evaluate, you know. Um, Figure this out. (laughs) Yeah. And so, I'm, like, I'm looking at this thing, and and the fours, like, kind of make sense. You know, I knew triplets and everything. Like, I wasn't, like an idiot, but I, 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 didn't know the process. So like I, I, I watched the fours a couple of times and like, okay, I kind of understand what's going on here. And they said, all right, add the twos. And I was like, there's more than this. <laughs> and so they start doing the twos and I'm like drumming along and I don't really get it. And then, uh, they started the ones and I was like, out, I had no idea. Yeah. Like I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. So they're playing and I'm just like trying to just play good triplets on my pad and like not look like a total idiot in front of everybody. And I look over to my left and there's a kid sitting next to me that like looks about my age and he is like in the same boat and he's like looking at me and we like make eye contact like, uh, do you know <laughs> this? And we kind of like both shrug our shoulders like, I don't know what's going on. And so we're like, all right, we're in this together, pal.
1: Like, We're going to go down together. Yeah. yeah. So um,
2: I found out later that that kid sitting next to me was Dave Oriente. Oh my serious? gosh. I swear to God. And I That's was, I knew that awesome. because he was at X in 2010 with us and, and I, I told that story and he was standing next to me and he goes, that was you? Like he remembered the whole thing. It's pretty wild. I don't think it's
1: crazy. He marched Pioneer before he did Blue Stars in 08. Oh, yeah. He was on tour with, po- well, I think he quit halfway through. Like he just like. I think he quit. Yeah. He was infinitely better than that. anyone else. I don't know why he ended up at Pioneer in 08 because that dude was a very good snare drummer. And, uh. I don't know. How you end up? Uh, I would love to
0: find him and ask him because like, I've looked for him for the last couple of years. He's in the years. military now, I is think. he? Yeah, I, think. I haven't been able to find him. Dave, talk to us. Yeah, <laughs> come back.
2: Um. Anyway, so that was like my first audition experience. It went horribly, but I learned a ton, and I was like super hungry for more, and so I was determined. After that camp, I had like some direction, and more like for me personally, more importantly. I knew what I was up against yeah. at that point. Like what I, the had, bar was. I had, I had kind of like seen behind the curtain of like what, yeah, like what the what standard expected. is. What was expected? Yeah. Well, because I, I always thought like, well, I can like play the music, like that's good enough. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, we're working on skills, and I was like, what are those? You know, <laughs> that's kind of like, middle. yeah, like what do you mean? I have to know what accent
0: internet. tap is, like what a downstroke is. Yeah. Um, that's like, like kind of the advantage of the internet now. Like back then, like when we were auditioning, and like you were talking about. The internet oh, yeah. like hadn't blown up like you didn't have this open web of just like information you can see all there these was, groups and yeah. all these videos. It's just like you were a product of your environment, and that was it. That's and that it. Was it. That's, Kids, the, that's your only option. Kids
1: nowadays have access to everything. It's yeah, great. It's, it's an awesome thing. I think it's, it's great. an awesome thing. Some people are like, man,
2: back in day, it's like, no, I think it's awesome. Like we we had to we had to work harder, I think, to to find those resources, but. I think now I feel like the drummers now are better, younger because of all the resources. Yes. Yeah, that they have. for sure, one hundred percent. But so that that was like my first audition experience. So I went back and I and I was back in high school and then you know finished my next uh, two high schools. And when I was a senior in high school, um, a friend of mine that I had met at EKU's uh, Eastern Kentucky University's Foster Music Camp, um, his name was Dylan Combs, which you guys know. Yep, um, he was he's a good buddy of mine and. We met each other at that music camp when we were still in high school, and he said, "Hey, I'm doing this. Um, I'm doing this drum line. It's a, it's an indoor drum line. You should you should do it. Like we need snare drummers." And I was like, "I don't know what indoor drum line is. Like I I had just kind of over you know a year or two kind of figured out what drum corps was and was a big fan, but I had I had no clue about what WGI was." And he said, "Well, you should come check it out." And so it was this. It was a little um, independent open line, and it was supposed to be from. Athens, Kentucky. Yeah. So the name of the group was West Athens. In your introductory, and to, that was uh, that was my introduction to WGI was West Athens in 2006. And Justin Fisher. Justin Fisher was there, yeah. And there was a there was a quad tech was JJ Martinez. JJ. Um, there was a guy.
1: I think, I think he marched Lone Star. Or he something. marched Lone
2: Star. Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, he was back in the. He marched with like Brian Perez way back in the day. Um,
1: what's so crazy about that indoor group because we've had guests on here already before that brought that up like Dan oh you ben. had ben, yeah, Dan, Dan Dan, Van, Dan. Yeah. that was where I met all those guys yeah. like that whole what's group so of us what's so crazy about that whole that group how how insignificant that group was at the time how many amazing people in the activity started in that group <laughs>
2: well we it was <laughs> it was so a very odd experience because for a lot of us it was like our first WGI experience so we like I didn't even know what like the first WGI show I ever went to I performed in you know what I mean? Like I had never even heard of it. I didn't
0: know. I think that was actually me too. I think
1: me I too, watched, Tate's Creek. I, I remember
2: watching, heard. like I looked up this like Vic Firth started to host videos back in the day, like VicFirth.com. Yep. And so I remember looking up on there and there was videos of like Rhythm X and some other people and whatever and I was looking and I was like they were like outside in like a parking lot and they were like, like Gravel all they, around. Yeah, and I was just like I mean I didn't know I didn't realize it was like the Nutter Center or whatever now, but I remember watching it and I was like, what is this? This is so strange. It was like very foreign to what I thought Like the drumming, whole blue was. knights are
0: wearing like machine gear and stuff or Yeah, something. it was just,
2: you know, there's costumes, there's props everywhere. So it was just like a different thing that I, I didn't really know about. So Dylan, you know, tells me I should do this thing. I'm like, all right. So I, I showed up and um, I like auditioned for the group by basically just like playing in the snare line for a day. And they needed snare drummers and I wasn't terrible. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Now flashback to my high school when I was in high school we didn't have an indoor drum line we only had outdoor and I played quads in high school so I I had played I did it for six years in high school I played bass drum my first year played top bass and I was a total baller no I wasn't um and then (laughs) when I was in eighth grade I was the snare drummer for the band singular one um and then in ninth grade I played snare drum again and then the last three years when I was in high school I played quads but I wanted to play snare I was like, I, of you know, I did. wanted to yeah. <laughs> I American wanted to be does, man. one of them like flam drag fighter pilots. Like that's what I wanted. <laughs> we, get, we get all the
1: glory unless it's the quad feature, right? Right.
2: So uh, I wanted to do that, but I was like pretty decent at quads. Um I had an instructor in high school that told me he was, like, to he was like, You need to stay he was like, You need to stay with quads. And I was like, No man, I wanna do snare drum, I wanna do it, you know. And he was like he said, Good snare drummers are a dime a dozen, like you need to like stick with quads and that'll true. be better for you. But that's a whole nother thing. So Anyway, so I was playing snare drum with this group, um, West Athens, and it was it was fun, or I thought it was fun. Um, I didn't know any better, and the show was, it was like harder music than I had ever played in like a show before, so for me, it was cool, but yeah, like I was in that group, Dylan was in that group, Ben Thompson, Dan Schmidt, um, Ted, Leith. Ted Leith was the center snare, um, yeah, there was a lot of people that ended up doing stuff in the battery, especially, it was I could do an entire one of these podcasts on the history and the story of like that group. Dan Schmidt kind of
1: uh, elaborated a little bit just on that. It was
2: yeah, there was there was a ton The shenanigans, and it was yeah, I mean it was it was a little bit of a mess, and it was a new group. I mean, every new group that starts out has its
0: own issues, but but it was kind of your segue from like high school band into something. It was
2: the first independent group that I'd ever done that wasn't affiliated with high school, so it was like a little more mature. Some of the kids were in college, you know what I mean. It was like a little bit older. Um, and it was a nightmare and we were awful. Um, and it's fine. Like, I think everybody needs to go through that at some point to be in a group that's not that good. Um, because it, one, it brought us closer together and I learned a lot. Like the tech staff there was, was good. Justin is awesome. Um, JJ was the quad tech and he was awesome. And so I started out on snare drum. JJ who? Uh, Martinez. Martinez. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, so I started out on snare drum and we needed a quad drummer. And so they said, okay, we need to see if anybody has quad talent or whatever. Okay. So they, they like, I was on the end of the snare line, lines, so like booted me over to the side and, uh, I started playing quads and I wasn't terrible. So like, then I just magically became a quad drummer like that. Was, they never put me back. I was like, well, here we are. Um, <laughs> and it was, back it was, was it me forever. yeah. And it was fun. I, I ended up enjoying it. And so, you know, I realized like I played quads in high school. This had happened. So um, I, I went to school for music at Eastern Kentucky University and I decided to play quads there, like in the marching band. And I just decided I'm going to be a quad drummer. So I, I had tried out a couple times at Cavaliers on snare drums, like a couple years in a row. And I, it, it just wasn't working out. My, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't that great at snare drum. And so when I started to play quads is when things kind of took off. So I went to music school for music ed at uh, Eastern Kentucky University. And it was awesome. Had a great time. I met a lot of really cool people. We got to do some really great concerts and stuff. Um, And that's, you know, a whole other thing. But marching wise, I stuck with quads. And so the next year in 2007, I had tried out at Cavs one last time on quads this time. That was after Jim Casella and all those guys had taken over. It was their second year. And it was cool. It was like a different take on drumming that I had never seen before. Cause I was raised in like the Cavaliers wrist turn like era. And this was like a new sort of organic style Flow. of drumming. Yeah. It was like this very strange approach that I had never really seen. You know, the snare drums are all cockeyed and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and you know, now I teach blue stars where I, like we do the same thing. But um, so it was, it was interesting to like get that side of it. And, I decided um, I, I didn't make it at Cavaliers, and I decided not to like keep pursuing marching that particular summer. Um, I had a job over the summer, being like a cameraman for a production company, and we got to travel around and do stuff. It was that's a whole wild thing, um, but so I didn't march that summer. Um, so going into the next year, I really wanted to march. Um, this is when I mean Paul Rennick was still at Phantom, and and. What they were doing was starting to get like really well known. They won drums in 06. They were awesome in like 05, 06, 07 was awesome. I was a big fan of that. And so in 2008, I said, that's where I want to march. I think that's where I'm like settled on that I really want to march. So I tried out there and I didn't make it again. <laughs> and it was close. Didn't like I had- Did you march a, in 07 though? I didn't march in 07.
1: What am I thinking of? Whatever, go on. Sorry. Um, so
2: <laughs> I uh, so I yeah, so I had tried out there, didn't make it. Um, But I learned a lot. And again, that was like even a newer, like a different approach again of drumming. Especially the quad drumming. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So it was, it opened my eyes to like some ways of drumming that I had never thought of before. And so I ended up, um, I ended up that same year, I was like, I still really want to march. My buddy Chris Koenig um, had marched Colts the year before in the front ensemble. He was like, dude, you need to come to Colts. He's like, you'll have a great time. You'll learn a lot. And so I went to Colts and I ended up making it at the first camp. I was super stoked, like got my contract in the mail. Nice. And I was like, oh my God, like I can't, I was, I was like super excited. And then I read it and I was like, oh, this is a lot. Like I'm super nervous. <laughs> this is this happening? And um, so I made it and it was awesome. I had a great time there. I learned a lot. Max Mullinix was the quad tech or uh, caption head. Mark Hunter was the um, quad tech and he did a lot of stuff with the full battery as well. And so that was like my first drum corps experience was the Colts back in 2008. And we didn't make finals. Um, we, I think we were like 14th overall or something like that. But I just learned a ton. You spent an entire
0: summer drumming.
1: Yeah. It's Every crazy, day. It's crazy the transformation you make your first summer. It's like pretty wild. That first summer and your abilities to move and play or move and Just to overall. process information yeah. and to, like... To,
2: well, and it, for me, it was like a dream come true. And I actually almost got sent home because I had a knee injury like during move-ins. So it was like I was out for like a couple of days. Dang. And I just pushed through it and it was terrible and it was like the worst pain in my entire life. Um, but I, I mean, I say I pushed through it. I didn't like do things that I shouldn't have done, but I had to like just deal with a lot of pain and it sucked. And a lot of it stemmed from being just like really out of shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I realized the value of like being in better shape after that, you know. So I marched that summer. I came back like a new person. I was a lot more mature. Um, I had all this performing and drumming experience. I was way better at drums. I was like, you know, I had had lost like 40 pounds. I was like a new person. You know what I mean? Like people, when I got back to college at Eastern, people like literally didn't recognize me. Like my friends would walk past me and then stop. like, oh my God. Um, And it was awesome. I loved it. And I had a great time. So that next summer, I ended up, the the shortest version, the, the percussion studio was taking a trip to Brazil. And I was going to go on that. So I wasn't going to march in 2009. Um, and then I decided kind of at the last second, um, I had tried out for Rhythm X for indoor and I didn't make it in the quad line, but I talked to Tim Jackson and those guys and they said, you should really think about coming out to Bluecoats as they were taken over after Macintosh yeah, and those guys
0: left. that was the first.
2: Um, and so I thought about it. I didn't go to the first camp um, because I, that was like the weekend of the Colts banquet and I wasn't planning on marching. And I ended up going to the December camp um, after talking to Tim a little bit about it. And I really had, it was like super fun. It was like a whole new vibe. Yeah, McKenna was and there. and Mike Tim McKenna Jackson was a quad there. tech. Tim Jackson, Mike Jackson was a caption head. Um, Eric Shriver was, was the snare tech or one of the snare techs. And so we just, it was awesome. I had such a good time that I was like, I have to do this. If I get a spot, I need to do this. And so I got a spot and I was like, I got to do this. I'm not going to Brazil. I'm going to do this. And so I did that. I came back the next year and aged out there um, as a vet. I was the quad section leader in 2010. We medaled for the first time. It was like a fantastic in year. History? In the fourth oh, time in core yeah, history. That's yeah, that's 2010. Right. Sorry about that. sorry. <laughs> oh, right. I got I got mine the year before. Um, <laughs> so we had, but it was, it was fun. It was a great, both summers were so much fun. And I, you know, I just felt like I got a lot better. So after 09, um, ha- knowing Tim and those guys, and I was in Kentucky, they were like, you need to come out to Rhythm X. And I'll try out. And so I did. Um, and I made it in the quad line there in 2010, which is where Evan and I, First I, mean, we, I think we knew each other before We that. had
0: met uh, just through the small because network we were of in Kentucky Kentucky yeah. drummers. But yeah, that's like where we really started like hang out, obviously, when we both made Rhythm X. And I yeah. actually had gotten invited by Dylan. He invited me to go. Classic. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you got the spot. Well, Dylan and Dean, because I
2: knew Dean yeah. from Moorhead. So anyway, so that's where we met. And then I was at Rhythm X... Um, 2010 and 11
1: in the quad line um that's where adam and i met was 11 yeah because mike came up yep
2: and uh so that was that's like a super long version of like my how i kind of got into drum core um the shorter version after that is how i started teaching it was mark hunter um was a friend of mine from you know he had taught me at colts and he contacted me in 2010 and said hey are you interested in teaching and i said absolutely i am and it was just one of those like kind of right place, right time. He asked me if I had aged out. I said yes, and he said, "All right, I'll, I'll have something for you later." So um, and he was he, with... he ended up he ended up being he was with Shane Gualtney. Okay. Um, when Shane took over as the caption head at Phantom Regiment after
0: Rennick after, went after Rennick to... left Vanguard.
2: for Vanguard, um, and so he when he called me, I thought like, "All right, cool, I'm going to be like the second alternate." quad tech at like the teal sound bandolier guard cadets or something you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah, some like kind of super obscure or whatever div 2 whatever uh, they're calling yeah it. i just i i didn't think that it was going to be a position of any consequence whatsoever and he was like all right so shane's going to talk to you but we're looking for a quad tech for phantom and i was like
0: whoa
2: <laughs> i didn't expect that at all
0: they just um, won drums
2: last year <laughs> yeah exactly so i was like these are some big shoes to fill and so that was like my first teaching experience was 2011 phantom regiment um, i didn't do the whole summer i actually went to india um, at the end of the summer, so I was gone for like the last three weeks of tour doing like a performance thing in India, but it was a it was a great experience. I had a, I, I learned a ton, and I got like like you were talking about at the beginning. I learned a lot about what it was like on the other side and what the staff has to deal with. And... So
0: kind of we'll start there too. Like, so you obviously got the gig. Like, hey, this is when auditions are. So you yeah you showed up at auditions to watch people audition. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: I always got the impression that staff at the November camp, it was more of like a reunion party weekend than it was like from their viewpoint. Like obviously they're educating, they're still doing what they're supposed to do, but there was always an attitude of like nonchalantness about everything. Like they were just... Let's figure out
0: which kids aren't super terrible. I think, well,
2: I mean, I will say like I definitely can see why it would come across like that. In my experience... It, it is a little bit of a reunion because it's the same thing for like members. Like when you march somewhere well, course, and you go back to the November camp, like you see all your friends that you haven't seen in a long live time. live across the country. Yeah, yeah like the staff is kind of the same way. Um, for, for me, it was like this at Phantom. And now that I work at Blue Stars, I've been there. I, I was at Phantom in, in 11, 12, and 13. Um, and then I stepped down after the 2013 summer um, and took a position at Blue Stars with Eric Shriver. And so I've been there ever since um, 14. But with Blue Stars and with, with Phantom back then, the attitude was always all these students that are coming to audition need to learn as much as they can.
1: And I feel like that's a, that's a switch that has happened in the past like three or four or five years because like in the early 2000s, when you were auditioning and even in '9 when I first got, I mean I learned stuff at the '09 Blue Coats camp, but now they're presented as more of a clinic. They, well, I mean kind of have an idea of what vets are coming back already, clearly. And they kind of have an idea that vets do a little bit of their own recruiting. To help the staff has their fingers on the pulse of different regions sure. where they're ha- ha- uh, holding auditions. They're very well connected with local programs. And now, well, th- now, like you said, they're clinics more so than an audition that first of uh, November. You said clinics. Did you say clinics? Or, you say clinic? I don't know. Somebody said clinics. Somebody clinic. said clinics. But said I, clinics.
2: It, I think... Um, it is a little bit like a clinic. Uh, I think a lot of times it just stems from like these, these students are paying so much money, you yeah, know, to yeah. like register for the camp and to come. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to pay 150 bucks or whatever it is. I, you know, I don't get know. Get the, what the boxes packet. Are. Yeah, but sure. it's like you, you want to make sure that the kids that are coming there feel like they're getting their money's worth. Mm-hmm. And I think it used to be because of the nature of the way that the drum corps did camps, they needed to get the talent and keep them immediately. And they wanted to set people as soon as possible. You know what I mean? They had to get that in stuff. In the past,
1: you mean? Yeah. yeah.
2: And now, like, there's so many satellite camps and all these other options that I don't feel like people are as much in a rush to feel like they have to, like, set the line immediately. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe that's incorrect.
1: Well, we Like, at Blue if- Stars,
2: we try to set the line in January. But through November and December, it's all recruiting. It's all the satellite camps and all that kind of stuff. And then we try to set the line in at the January camps that we have. Like, okay, here is the people that are in the group for sure. And, and I feel like maybe it was just because there was only one camp, like that was it. Like you went to that camp and there was 500 kids there yeah. trying out for the percussion section or whatever. Um, but it's just a little bit different. And and it, we focus, a fan of it was like this and it's like this again at Blue Stars, that we, we try to focus on the educational aspect. We definitely want to separate, you know, in our heads, there's there's two things that have to happen. One, we want everybody to learn a ton. And two, we want to make sure that we separate for our own sake. For the for the drum corps, we're separating the kids that we want to we want, and the kids that we feel like we need to see later. Like if they, excuse me, if they if they have, uh, you know, some time like the callbacks, the kids that you know maybe give them a month and see how much they improve, and then they'll be ready. Or the like, we want to see what you can do in a year off or a year of experience somewhere else before you come back here Mm -hmm. um so you have to you know you have to balance that and it's great over the course of a weekend because we usually start with like very clinic like this is just an introduction to how we do things and it's not right or wrong this is just how we do this at blank drum corps or Mm -hmm. blank indoor line and then over the course of the weekend that switches to like okay how well do you fit in with what we do and how how can we separate those people you know what i mean that makes
0: sense so when someone shows up to like november december whatever first camp and they're auditioning for a spot like what's something that you like you look for like you guys as a staff look for like did they learn the packet like did they do this did they do this it's like is it more about
1: that's figuring out
0: if they play well their style and seeing if that's something you could change or do they adapt immediately to this style that you guys play because
2: it's a, it's a large mix of things. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into like the selection process from the staff side. I'll say for myself, I definitely am looking for, you can, you can just kind of tell like by the way, somebody walks into a room, like you want people that have a personality. You want people that have, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a I don't know what it was, a type confidence? A. Or, yeah. Some confidence to, to what they're doing. Some swag. Um, yeah, I mean, you can call it that. I don't want, you know, you're not coming in doing like the pimp walk to the drum. What's up, <laughs> ladies? Like, it's not like that. But um, I don't know. Like, you definitely want that confidence. And you can, a lot of times you can tell a lot just by the way that someone walks up and stands behind the drum before they play a note. Yeah. Just their posture, their sort of demeanor, like what they look like when they stand there. But th- I would say the number one thing that separates a lot of people is teachability. Their ability to take information, receive it, process it, and then apply it, and how quickly that process can happen. Mm-hmm. And the the more someone is teachable, the higher chance they're going to have. Now, you also need to be talented. Like, there are, you know, my grandmother is teachable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that she's going to be marching somewhere. Still. Yeah, exactly. Like, you she's need to. She's not playing
0: scrape patterns. Right,
2: exactly. <laughs> she's not playing double beat at like 200 or something. But, um, could you imagine, like, an 80-year-old woman just, like, tearing it up on some double beat? That'd, That'd be awesome. Be awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, so, I don't know. Like, we look for teachability and the the balance of, you know, pre-existing talent versus teachability. And the way, you you know, you're asking about styles. We don't really talk. I think, you know, maybe back in the day people talked a lot about, like, well, we have to have this look or whatever. Our whole, my whole approach has always been I want to teach you what I feel like is the proper technique And the way that you like quote unquote look when you drum is a result of that rather than trying to look like something and then apply the technique, if that makes sense. Like if you play with this technique, it's going to make you look a certain way. And that's why that the groups look the way that they do rather than you try to play and fit the way you look when you play into that. Yeah. And I know like that was a mistake that I made when I was in high school was like, I would watch, I watched Cavaliers and I wanted to look like that. And instead of trying to think of how they played, I tried to look at the way that they looked when they played, and try yeah. to recreate that.
0: I remember I did that when I went to a Phantom audition. I was like, "Oh, they have this like kind of like flowy like arm." Yeah. I tried to, like imitate that. I'm gonna that. like feather
2: tap the drum and like pretend like I yeah. move my arms more and <laughs> not get any sound quality. Like it doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, do anything. Exactly. Um, so it's uh, I don't know. I think it's just that's a common mistake that I think people make a lot of times. And so it's it's the balance, like I said, of teachability versus pre-existing talent. The style and that kind of stuff, I mean, if you see somebody that comes in and they're like, like for Blue Stars, for example, like we have a very ergonomic technique. So it's it's very relaxed. So things move. Like if you move your wrist and your arm happens to move, it's not that big of a deal. We're not going to like pitch a fit about it. But some people come in and they're like way overdo it. They're like monkey drumming. You know what, yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you have somebody that comes in and they're like super square and they don't move their arms at all. Both of those things are things that I think that you can work on. So it's more about like, how do they turn their wrist? What's the sound that they can get? What's their vocabulary as it stands right now? And then are they teachable? Because if they're teachable, they're going to be able to get the style. You know what I mean? Yeah. Over, over the long term. So that I feel like if I had to boil it down to the simplest thing, it would be that.
0: Do you think being on tour as a staff member is more stressful than being on tour as a member?
2: That's a a really good question. I think, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Um,
1: Well, physically, it's definitely less stressful. Physically,
2: it's way less stressful as a staff member. I mean, depending on where, you know, like at Phantom and at Blue Stars, we have like, you know, the sleeper bus, which is pretty awesome. Um, (laughs) We just, you know, you get to lay on your back when you sleep. You don't have to get up in the middle of the night to like move all your stuff inside. Like, that stuff, I think, helps a lot. But for, for me, like being on staff, that helps me feel like I can teach better.
0: Yeah. Because I am more relaxed and, you know, I'm like better in the mood. Um, like, I've had a couple people ask me before and stuff, just like, oh, would you ever teach? I've been, I've had like one offer, like, hey, would you ever be interested in this? And I've never really thought about it just because with my job and stuff. It's sure, like, I sure. Know. But like, then I sit down and think about it, like, what I want to? And I think, like, as a member, I was always just like, man, this is just what I did. I woke up, I drummed, I ate, whatever. I just did like I was in like a robot yeah, basically that's like a military mindset. But I just imagine that I said like a staff member it be a little more stressful because like you were hired to maximize this section of this group to its best ability and it's your job to figure out sure. how to it's do like, that. Oh, like, how to know, get these four people you're like these oh, oh, nine have people like had three bad shows together.
1: in a row what's going on like we just had three bad shows how do, what am I doing wrong how do I fix this what's on their heads sure. like having to read the situation I, I mean, all the time.
2: I think it it can be it's definitely more like mentally taxing I feel like cuz like you were just saying thing. like when you're a member people tell you what to do at all times like play this music stand in this spot on the field and yeah. go to that spot in eight counts evenly Like it's, it can't be any easier than that. You know what I mean? Just do what you're told. And then, yeah, like, and we're going to do this a hundred times or whatever. We're going to do this and then we'll tell you what to do next. And then we'll tell you when to eat and then we'll tell you when to sleep. And then we'll tell you when to do laundry. And that's why, you know, you see members, they have a free day. You walk into a gas station and you're just like staring at the sodas and you're like, what do I get? Yeah. (laughs) Like I have a choice. Like I have to like, yeah, like somebody give me something so I don't have to think. Um, And so I, I don't know, you get used to that a little bit as a member And it becomes very routine. And as a staff member, the same thing happens. Um, It is refreshing sometimes as a staff member because, you know, like, they'll do vis block in the morning. And so, like, the drum staff is away from that. And we'll kind of watch from a distance. And sometimes we'll be involved, especially, like, once they know the drill, we start to drum or out there. So we'll be kind of around. Still visual focus, but the drum staff is, like, around to make sure that everybody's playing well. Yeah, you know.
1: (laughs) Make sure a section doesn't cut vis block.
2: Exactly. Um, So Guilty. (laughs) So, in some ways, it can be, um, you know, you have a little bit more time to, like, kind of gather yourself and your thoughts and plan. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what, you know, every staff kind of has that time depending on on what part of the day and so on. Um, it depends also on what your job is on staff. Like, uh, when I was, like, just a quad tech, it was very similar to being a member. Like, the caption head would just tell me. You're what in we were subs doing? For this line. Yeah, you're in subs, whatever, and that was like subs was like the only time that I felt like I had to like be on whatever because I had to plan what we were doing. Yeah, so I would think, you know, and you just keep a little list. I had a little notebook that I would keep and just write in it, like, okay, we suck at you know a. B to C or whatever in the closer. And so then when it was subs time, it's like, all right, we need to hit this and we need to play the quad sole like a hundred times, and then we're gonna run over and play with the snares. Like, so it was. You only have to plan those short bursts um, sometimes as you know just like a section tech, and then as you move up, like the the higher you go, the more you have to coordinate with the other sections and things like that. But honestly, it's not depending on the facilities; it's not that hard. And you know the the staff, especially right now at Blue Stars, I was I was only the quad tech when I was at Phantom, so I can't really speak to how well the staff kind of coordinated with yeah. each other. Um, but like at Blue Stars the staff is also like, it's cool because we're very professional because we all know each other as like colleagues, but we've been together for so long that we're all like really good friends now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's like a level of respect there from staff member to staff member of, you know, we're, we're all professionals and we want to make sure that we handle ourselves that way, but we can also pal around and joke around and it's, you know, it's fine. So it's, it's nice to be able, you know, I can talk to if, if, um, if Eric is off tour and I'm like kind of in charge of the battery for a little while, I can talk to the brass caption head and we're like, cool. It's not weird. It's not like,
1: there's not no, like, there's no weird. You? Yeah. There's no, like <laughs> we're really good here?
2: friends. And so like, if I tell him like, Hey dude, is it possible for us to get the stadium field? Like I know that we had it yesterday, but we really got a balance and we got to use whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Like fine. Sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not a big deal at all. And that's good. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that that varies from staff to staff depending on where you go.
0: I've definitely and heard And how long you've been together, I guess? True.
2: I've definitely heard plenty of horror stories of like people that don't get along and terrible things like that. Um, luckily, I haven't really ever experienced things like that. I mean, you have time, you know, just like when you're a member, you have times where you get mad and things are they don't seem like they're doing the right like thing. are going backwards or yeah, something. Yeah, and you don't, you know, maybe you don't necessarily have the power to change it and you just kind of feel frustrated, but I think that's true of over the course of any summer. And as long as you keep a sense of humor about it and you kind of keep a light tone about it, it's fine. You can always tell. I think as a staff member, like 14 to 16 days is like the max for me personally – that I can do on tour before I start to get a little crazy, <laughs> and it, well, you just get everything becomes so much more important all of a sudden. Yeah, your yeah. life is just invested in that. When you have like that, like two weeks, maybe a little bit, like two and a half weeks, it's still just like, all right, this is cool, everything's fine. And then everything starts to get like you get like grumpy mode, where everything is just annoying, and you're just like, can you believe that he came in account early? Like what a dr-? it's like it becomes a personal attack at that point on you as a teacher. Um, and if you can balance that, and if you can keep a light sense of humor, it has something to do with, you know, like I said, like with the way the other people are like the other drum staff at Blue Stars are like some of my best friends in the world. We have such a good time together. Um, and so that helps that we're like bros. So like Caleb Gastiger works with the bass drums there. He, him and I marched together at Blue Coast. We're really good friends. One of my, one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. But we're good enough friends that if I am being grumpy about something, he can come over to me and tell me, like, hey, dude, you need to calm down. Yeah. Or, you know what I, And it's like, all right, you're right. I need to relax. Whatever. <laughs> That's good. Um, so it really, you know, it depends on the, the group of people and, like you said, like how long you've been together. But in my experience, it's been very positive. Um, in terms of, like, a, a straight answer of if it's more difficult to be on staff than a member, I would say – Yes and no. It's just, you know, as, an, as a member, it's more difficult physically. Your body is, is put through the ringer on, on all kinds of stuff. Um, as a staff member, you have a lot of fun. There's more downtime. You get to kind of enjoy, like, traveling with your friends a little bit more um, mm-hmm. than, like, you're sitting on the bus, like, trying to drum through the opener again or whatever. Um, but you still, you know, there's still definitely plenty of challenges. Like you said, like, you have to think, okay, I've got to think outside the box. What resources can I use to be creative and make sure that these kids are getting the most out of this experience and we can get over the, the plateau of the middle of the season or whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: it's July now.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a that's, natural that, thing. That plateau is a real thing, man. It, it that, happens. That three, yes. month,
1: three months doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're in it every day, 12 hours a day, it's a long time.
2: And well, and that's the thing. It's like Joe Hobbs said it best. He said, and I, I don't know if he was quoting someone, or if this is original. So Joe, if you're listening, I apologize if I attributed this to the wrong person, but I gave you credit uh, yeah I, I just remember he always said we worked together at phantom and he always said long days and short weeks like the day seems so long and it seems like you know you wake up in the morning and it seems like it's gonna be an eternity until the night block and then all of a sudden it's Saturday and, and it's, the it's next a regional regional day mall. yeah and, and like then it's the that, next it just regional. goes so fast and um having I don't know that's just like a very odd time because it's like you always feel like god we have so much rehearsal time and then you're about an hour away from the end of the day and you're like oh my god we need like three more hours of rehearsal like you never <laughs> it never it's it's always a, a, an odd balance as a as a staff member for sure gotcha
0: gotcha well you've been doing that obviously during the summers and then uh i guess then in the fall and spring and stuff you're working high schools and writing mm-hmm. and arranging now and you've yeah. kind of gotten into that and you've mentioned previously. Do you have something, Mike?
1: Well, I was going to say, before we move on from the audition process and you know, talking about being a staff member and whatever, I want to try to go to like the activity as it is now eventually to close out this thing, but do you, what's the funniest thing you've seen happen at an audition camp as oh a staff member? The
2: funniest thing? The funniest, I'm gonna craziest have to, thing. We might have to pause
1: this. I'm to have to think for a second. We didn't give him prep on this yeah. one. Yeah. Oh
2: my god. The funniest thing. I don't know. I mean... A lot of times, it's just the way people behave is funny. It's funny, like, I understand so much more as a staff member about the way auditions work now. Yeah. Like, it's such a head game when you're a member and you're auditioning. Like, you are
0: in... It's, like, psychologically awful. It's, like, this terrible thing where you're... you're, trying to drum, but you're also trying to fit in. Yeah, like, (laughs) like, you
2: question every single thing. And the staff, a lot of times, one isn't really being as scrutinizing as you think they are in some ways, Sometimes we are, but a lot of times, like I I always tell people at the camps, what I always say is I, I give them like audition tips. Like these are the Adam Norris audition tips for how not to make the staff angry. Yeah. Like don't walk up to us and say, what can I work on? like well we've been drumming for 3 hours drum better <laughs> what do you like what have we been working on maybe start there you yeah. know what i mean or like i don't know yeah. just stuff like that like we give audition tips um god
0: funniest thing that's happened when somebody is auditioned like we told have you the, gone into like the individual like auditions with them like
1: we, playing we, by we've, themselves we you like, told you're the, the past story from josh Bricky before the, oh we've yeah we've told yeah. that story so like anything like that you've ever experienced where like just um i yeah i had a i had a
2: guy audition what was funny was he i, I won't say his name if he's yeah. listening yeah, he'll, <laughs> he'll know i'm talking about him i love the guy to death but um I remember he was really good and I remember watching him audition like in the group and I remember thinking like all right this guy he looks good he sounds good when he plays you know he 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 agrees with the rhythms and like he's he's doing all the right things. But he was so nervous. And I try to be a super nice guy. I don't feel like I take am, the pressure off. Yeah, pressure I wanna can. I wanna try to make it as informal as possible because I, you know, and staffs always say this: like we want to see the best version of you as possible. Like I want my, I want you to make my job difficult. I want everybody to be their best, so that we have to make hard decisions on who we want to take. Um, and so this this guy comes in to audition for quads, and we go into the individual audition. And like I said, I try to be super informal. Like, hey, how's it going, man? Tell me about yourself. Like, let's talk for a second. You know, it's super yeah, cool. Yeah. And jitters out this bit, dude, now. his hands. Were just shaking, like <laughs> it was like he could not hold the sticks. This is my hardly. shooting hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was shaking so bad, and it was it was hilarious because he was a good kid. Like I was like pretty convinced that he was going to make it. Yeah. And he like his hands were shaking so bad that he couldn't hardly hold the sticks, and you know his voice is like quivering. I'm like, hey man, like it's Bitty all it's all good. Like we're cool, just chill, it's fine. And I asked him to play something, and it was it was so bad. <laughs> it was like one of the worst, and I'm like, I know that that's not how he plays, and I knew that he was. You just... You watched him
1: play with the group. Yeah, for like I'd seen him play for like previously. two days,
2: and he was killing it. And then he plays in front, and he just he freaked. He had like a breakdown, and I was like, Hey, man, it's all good. And I said, You need to relax. I said, We're just going to wipe that. We're just going to delete that from our memories. We're just going to forget that that exercise even happened. I want you to take a deep breath and play it again.
1: Did you tell the kid like not not that.
2: I didn't tell him at the time that I thought he was going to make it, Well, yeah, I'm but I, bad, I didn't but like, want him to have a bad audition. I'm like, I want, I'm not just going to write him off because he like got nervous. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: and that's true. You can, cause that, I kind of had a similar experience when I was at Bluecoats in 2012. I was, had already marched Rhythm X for a year. Like I knew, marched with Joe and Tom, who was mm-hmm. the center that summer. And like half the staff already knew me and stuff from the X and whatever. But my, I hadn't done an individual audition in two years. Because at X and 11, because there was going to be only one vet, everyone did individuals. But 12, we basically knew the snare line before the camp started. So there was no individuals for any of us in 12. That's so true. when I went in, Mike Jackson was the only one there. It was just me and Mike Jackson for my individual that first Thanksgiving weekend. I had myself. Like, I played I played worse than I probably played before in years. It was so bad, rhythmically, tempo-wise. like, And I was just nervous. So it can happen to anyone. Oh yeah. Like, well, Mike what... Jackson's an intimidating figure anyway, <laughs> but he's like a subtle intimidating. Like he's not a physically imposing guy, but like sure. the way he carries himself, it, like he's just an intimidating guy. It's hard to put into words. And no, man, I understand. He, I mean, I, like, I marched Arsh- under for two years, man. Yeah, trust like, me, I know what you mean. It's just what, how he is, and so I had myself in the audition, and and he said at the end of it. He goes, now he goes, and I I was honest with him. I was like, look, Mike, I can play way better than that. I was like, I don't know what's going on in my head. I haven't done an individual in like two years. And Mike was like, yeah, like in the snare room, like you've been fine. Like everything's going well. Like it's all good. Luckily they didn't hold it against me. That's my point with this. Sure. If you, you can have a bad individual, like if you're auditioning and you like kind of, every time you're playing in front of staff is a new opportunity to show them how good you are. Well, and that's what I can erase a bad individual by throwing down in the snare room or whatever. I
2: always say that it's never too late to play well. Especially yep. in an audition camp, like it's never too late to like relax and just play comfortably, and that that was what happened with the, with this guy. I mean, it was, and ultimately he was just really freaked out for some reason. I think he he just really wanted to make it. He yeah. had some experience, and I think he just he wanted it so bad that he like psyched himself out. And some people, I mean, I can't speak for other groups because I don't know what it's like. I know some people put a lot of stock in the individual auditions, and I do too. Because that tells a lot with how well someone can play. Like, you can reveal a lot in an individual. Like, oh, I didn't notice that when you were playing with other people. I couldn't hear that. Um, But in this case, I could just tell that he was just really nervous. And I said, just take a breath. Yeah. And he did. And then the next rep he played was awesome. And I was like, that's the version that I need to see for the rest of the weekend. And then it was fine. And he ended up making the group. Yep. There Um, you go. But... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. But that that is always the funniest thing to me is seeing how Very nervous people are. Especially because like I said, I try to be not imposing at all. I try to be super chill and relaxed and Well that
1: reveals it's crazy how much your mental state can affect your physical performance. Sure. And and I say all the time, like in professional athletics, like a lot of guys can get to the professional level on a physical capability from, from a physicality standpoint. Sure. They can be fast enough, they can be strong enough, skilled enough. But the guys that play in the NBA or the NFL or make a top four drum line or whatever are the guys that have it in their head. And so as a staff member, how much do you guys – is that part of the game? Once the line is set, move-ins is started, like reading each member of your battery, like, all right, we have to like – not treat kids differently but you kind of have to read their mental state because at the end of the day they're all there because they're already good drummers yeah it's like you have to understand the ebb and flow of what a member's brain goes through
2: it's a much different game than teaching like a high school group um for sure you know when you deal with school kids they don't get a choice in the ensemble that they're in they're in the drum line because they want to be in a drum line but they might not be the best fit they might fit better at a different high school but that's not how it works you know what i mean um, for drum corps, and especially like higher level and, and, you know, when you started to get into like the top 12 and stuff like that, you you are teaching kids that already have a ton of fundamental information. Almost always they have experience with other drum corps already. Um, so it becomes less teaching and more coaching. And it's more about managing the mental. I mean, we obviously we want to do a ton of things uh, from an educational side to teach them to be better... At drums and to be better at marching and all that kind of stuff um but you have to manage the mental game because like we were talking about earlier you have three months to get through and you only have you know 11 minutes a show to spread out over three months and you know as all of us know there's more than enough work to do yeah in that amount of time somehow um but you have to manage that so much. There's so many groups that, that the mental monster is what gets them by the end of the season. It's not their physical ability. It's not their chops. It's not the show design. It's that the, the members and the staff don't do a good enough job managing their mental state to where that they can perform at their maximum potential.
1: I mean I, I relate to that completely just because I went through into my age out summer. Um, there was like a two-week period in July where I just started playing worse. And it was my brain. I got inside mm. my own head. And lack, lacked confidence on certain parts of the show and I just kept screwing them up. and it wasn't that I couldn't play the part. It wasn't that I couldn't play it with yep. another person. I just got inside my own head from a confidence standpoint from a, a, the pressure of the summer, like we were one of the better groups that summer, so trying to win a drum trophy. It just got in my own head. Well, and, and got that's, caught up in it. And then pressures from other members and just the whole environment and so that's
2: I, that's so, where it's the staff's job.
1: To, like to make sure that, that they
2: can manage that. And it's a, it's our job, one, obviously, to, to equip you with the tools to teach. But it's the staff's job to, one, recognize when that's happening and then manage it and be able to, you know, basically put a handle on it and kind of keep everything under control. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that is where being on staff is a lot different, like that side of it. Because you feel so much pressure like that as a member. I remember, like, when I my age out summer... I was responsible for like the start of almost every movement tempo wise. <laughs> and like the first one we started that was the Metropolis show so we were in like opposite corners of the field yeah, so it was like an up. ensemble timing nightmare. Um, but it was awesome. It was a really cool show. I really loved that show. But I started playing, the drum major started conducting and the pit played and then there was like a bass drum run on the opposite corner of the field and then I had to come in in time. So I was I was dudding we were, like, in 7-4, and I was dutting like, a dotted 16th note ahead. Of the, the hands. Of the hands. Yeah, so it was just, like, a total mess. I'm and so then, glad I never had that responsibility. But, like, it was stuff like that, and I was, like, super nervous about it. And then I said, I, I remember myself and, and talking with, with Mike McKenna and Tim and the other staff, and they were just, like, look, like, this is your responsibility to do this. And they said, you can. Like, we wouldn't have given it to you. Yeah. If you did, if you we didn't think that you could do it, the old Tom so Hanum, just
0: your hands are superior. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, but that, I mean that was what it was. It was
2: just like you are, you can do this. You can't, like, don't tell yourself that you can't. Like, you are good at what you do. That's why you're here. Live up to that.
1: And it's like that.
2: And I, I heard um, Josh Bricky say this one time. I heard him say it to to a high school group. He said, "When, when the time comes, usually you don't rise to the occasion. You fall back on your training." that's what always happens. This is one of my that's favorite way to one it. of my favorite phrases I've ever heard. He said that like right before the kids went on the field and I was like that is freaking brilliant. Um, but I remember hearing that and that like to me clicked with a lot of stuff that I remember from my past. Cuz in that moment, mm-hmm. I didn't like rise to the occasion and play better all of a sudden, you know what I mean? You I fell back on think, my training yeah, and I just let the training, yeah, things. do what it was supposed to do. And so it's the staff's job to make sure that the training is adequate. You know what I mean? Because that's what's going to happen when when things go south, when whatever happens, you're not gonna, you know, you know there's too many moving Miraculously parts. Miraculously, it's not an action movie where like one dude can just figure it out. Yeah. No, the there's 150. Or. Yeah, there's 150 moving parts on the field that have to be perfectly coordinated. So when when something is off or when something goes wrong, like you're gonna fall to your training always. And this, it's the staff's job to make sure that the training is adequate,
1: yep. so that
2: way. And I won't say. I would say. Adequate doesn't accurately represent, but I mean adequate in the sense like that the kids that it's are prepared enough, that you're like prepared for whatever there. is going to happen, and that way you know when you go to finals, it's just another day at the office. It's nothing special. You know, you clock in, you clock out, you do your jobs, and you can cry when you get to the top of the tunnel. Yeah, you know what I mean. But until you can then, watch it on the DVD. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always say. You can you enjoy it on the DVD if you're like a bottom bass or the end quad drummer, Everything sounds terrible to you. Just enjoy it on the DVD. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean. Oh, that's... But, well cool. Uh, obviously a lot of great stuff in there, insight from that side. And I guess just to finish things up, we'll kind of get into what you've been up to lately now off tour. you said before that last kind of segue. Uh, you're like in a lot of writing and arranging mm-hmm. now, dabbling into that, getting more and more into that. And you said you're actually writing with Josh. I
2: am writing with Josh. Cool. Um, so we we are starting, uh, we're trying to get some new clients and stuff doing some indoor and outdoor writing. Um, for percussion and winds and that kind of stuff, we're, we're that's like winds is like the, the furthest thing away right now. But full percussion and drill um, we have on lockdown. So um, so we're we're working with a few groups this year. Um, we basically have three things that we're trying to do. Um, one of which is currently in development, so I'm going to leave that out. Okay. Um, the Fair other enough. two things that, that we're doing one is we're we're writing, like we said, um, and then the second thing is um, we're developing kind of a clinic series um, that works. There's two clinics to pick from. One is the educator or excuse me, one is the performer clinic, which is geared towards like the individual students that are performing. So Mm -hmm. clinic with your students and talk to them about, you know, how to prepare better, how to practice, um, how to, you know, different skills and things like that. Just like a general like drum clinic that you would have. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're doing it. Um, we're basing it on like a tier of skills and, uh, You know, we have a whole thing for that. And then the second half is the uh, educator series. So that is geared towards the staff and trying to take, especially programs that don't have a ton of resources and whatever, showing them, okay, this is what we believe is the best way to organize a rehearsal, organize a season. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you should focus on these things. Kind of just a rundown of like what the season is. For example, um, there's a school that we're working with this year that has some new direction and okay. some of the people that are in charge have never had to like direct an indoor line before and so they're like what do i do like i don't know anything and we're like okay it goes beyond just like this is how you teach your kids or this is how we think you should teach your kids and what you should teach them it's like have you you know registered for circuit championships have you applied for dci or for wgi have you um, gone on to tresona and like asked for the rights for your music and did you order a tarp? Did you order shoes? What are you doing for uniform? All those things that like someone who doesn't have a ton of experience doing that yeah. would overlook or wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's there's, there's two clinics, like we said, that you have the educator series that's towards the staff and trying to basically create better teachers so that the students get more consistent. I mean, it's great to like do a clinic with your students – And have kids for like a day learn a ton about drumming. But if they're not getting that reinforcement day in and day out at rehearsal, that doesn't really stick. Teach a guy to fish,
0: he can feed for a lifetime type Exactly,
2: yeah, same kind of deal. But um, so then we also have, um, like we said, like the performance series that is dealt towards the performance as well, which is helpful. Uh, We base a lot of the tier of skills on like the Bloom's taxonomy. So like the way that people learn things in general. Hmm. So instead of being just like, all right, this is a downstroke, whatever, like, cool, now you can play accents. It's like, this is a thought out way of how we're going to organize the skills (laughs) kind of in a tier of things. You know what I mean? So like there's different tiers. And it takes different mental states and different things to understand each one and how they combine. Um, well, cool, man. Yeah. I'm
0: glad. That hopefully, it takes off and you guys are able to get around and make. The I hope rounds. so. So, if fun. you
2: know if you're interested, we do have a website. Um, okay. It is designscom plus one, the number one. So P L U S, the number one designs.com. <laughs> spelled out or not? Yeah, no, it's not spelled out. Plus the number one designs with an s dot com.
1: We'll put a we'll put a link to it in the info for the YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. Up there so it we have the, website.
2: Um, the the website's still under development, but you can access it. There's a couple um, audio samples oh, on cool. there. Just there's only there's only a couple on there, um, but it also has contact information. It's got a little. It's got like a little tidbit about the the clinic series, what we're trying to do. So it's still in development, but it is active. So if you go to it and access it. Um, You know, there's there, there's a way there's buttons. You can contact us. Um, It's got my personal um, contact. You can hit a thing and fill out the contact and it'll send it to me. Josh has one. And then there's like the contact one for the website that'll send it to both of us. So people that are interested in, you know, if you're interested in a clinic or thing like that or or purchasing a show or purchasing or getting us to design or write your show, you can contact us through that and we'll go through that whole
0: process. Good deal. Makes it easy.
2: Yeah. That's the goal.
0: (laughs) Cool. Streamline it. And it's good for, like you said, people who are just like band directors who don't really dabble in that.
2: Well, right. And that's like our whole, from the writing side of thing. our goal is we want to make your job easy. Like you, you know, if you hire us to do your show, we're just going to do everything you need us to do. Yeah. And, you know, we can we can help with the uniforms. We can help with the tarp. We can write the drill. We can write all the music.
0: Like everything you need is
2: done. Cool. One-stop shop.
0: Well, there it that's is. sweet. Yeah. Anything else we want to hit on before we close this sucker out? I think we basically ran down, especially like we said, it was really good to have the insight of a staffer. <laughs> yeah, the other half, yeah. everything we've been doing the, the is just yeah, yeah, everything we've done the date has just been like, oh, this is the day when like I got my butt kicked on tour, and this is my struggles <laughs> of auditioning. And now we
2: college. get to kick the butts on tour. You yeah, know, yeah, exactly.
1: Right, right. but these damn kids. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was, that was a Josh Bricky impression, wasn't <laughs> it? These damn kids. Burf Ber- Herfman, holding <laughs> down the inn. Oh my God. He was bees together. <laughs> oh my God. All right. On that note, we'll close this one out. Um, uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, that you're obviously listening to this on. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Aged Out Podcast and then ch- check us out on Facebook at slash aged out podcast. And we'll just see everybody next time. Peace.